Hello everyone, I'm Mike from The Self App, and thank you for listening to The Self App Podcast. This is a show where we discuss all things good thoughts, good words, good deeds related, and interview people passionate about being their best self, and who are helping others to be their best self too. Some of the segments include Coaching Clinic, where we talk to psychologists, motivational thinkers, and life coaches. Book Club, where we discuss and share reviews on our favorite books. Startup Spotlight, taking a pre-seed and more often than not non-techie view on starting a business and running a business. Health and Fitness Hustle, where we provide tips, tricks, and training from experts. And Esoteric Edge, a look at hidden or secret philosophy and how it can help you be your best self. If you haven't already, please download the Self app where we deliver you a collection of tools to help you be your best self. And 3% of all our profits are donated to charity. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Today, it's my privilege to introduce you to Danusha Santhakumar. Affectionately known as D, D trained as a solicitor graduating to practice in workers' compensation and medical negligence in Sydney, Australia. Motivated by a deep search for fulfillment and what that meant to her on a personal and professional level, D made a decision to move into the corporate world. Today, Dee is a successful software account executive selling practice management solutions into US law firms. Here to share with us her personal experience with imposter syndrome and how it's affected her career and sense of fulfillment, I want to thank you, Dee, for coming on and, and being willing to share around such a very personal and very vulnerable subject. Could you start by helping us who, who may not know what imposter syndrome is, understand what, what it means? Well, thank you, Mike, for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, so this is obviously a topic that you and I have had uh, conversations around to some degree, um, and I'm sure there's a much more scientific explanation to this than I, as I'm about to give you. But I think really for me, a, a nutshell, in a nutshell, Imposter syndrome is essentially just a really amplified experience of self-doubt. Um, I think it comes with a lot of lack of confidence in your ability. And at least for me, very, very personally, I think it stems from feeling almost unqualified um, to be doing things that you might, uh, you know, other people think that you're more than capable of. Um, I'm sure we'll delve more into, you know, where that sort of comes from for me. But um, I think that's a good sort of starting point. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a very deep starting point and, and, you know, for those who are listening, thank you for tuning in and being willing to come down this deep, dark rabbit hole. You know, we covered three pretty big um, salience there, self-doubt, lack of confidence in your own abilities and, and an overwhelming sense of feeling unqualified in circumstances. It's a pretty heavy thing to be facing. Um, can you talk to me through when you say those things, um, if you can put yourself in the position where you're in a work environment or you're in a social environment or you're in any environment where, you know, this overarching term imposter syndrome kicks in, what are some of the sensations or feelings that that you may experience or that you personally have, have, have had to face? Um, I think, so a couple of different things really come to mind. So I think the first and foremost, I think the first thing that I always experience is just that self-doubt moment, uh, right? So you almost just pause and you wonder, 
like, can I do this? Um, how am I going to do this? Um, and then it kind of comes with like a feeling of almost feel, feeling like a fraud that's about to be, you know, sort of identified as uh, an imposter, really. Um, and I think it sometimes kind of feels like, imagine wearing a like a weighted vest um, and sort of walking up a hip, right? Sure, you can, you can definitely get up that hill without it and it's much lighter and easier to do. Um, and I think that that's what it is. It's just constantly having to sort of go through almost a, a mental exercise uh, before you venture into whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. So that's really interesting um, for me to hear, hear D, and, and it really leads into my next question. As you were speaking, I was thinking about this. You know, it, it, to me, what I what I synthesized from what you just said was, you know, in, in many situations, it's almost like walking in with a built-in handicap or the feeling of, um, you know, an anchor that you're bringing in that, that potentially um, other people are not having in the same situations or environments. You know, you describe it as a weighted vest, and I think that's such a brilliant um a brilliant axiom for, for for this sensation. Let me ask you, how does that weighted vest that you're carrying as you're trudging up the mountain path, um, you know, become an adverse experience when you're approaching work? I think you would just probably find you've got a lot more effort to put towards the activity if you didn't have to do so much work on the front end. Um, and I think over time, if you're willing to sort of really work on it, um, that time that it takes you to get through that break to that breakthrough moment definitely gets shorter and shorter and shorter. But at least initially, it's it just takes away, I think, part of your focus. Um, and you know, I'm sure, no doubt, that as I sort of uh, tackle this and sort of get ahead of this, um, I'm, it's just going to free up more of my time and effort and talent um, to put towards a sort of greater pursuits. Mm, really interesting. So, you know, one of the, the issues is loss of focus. We all know how critical it is um, when given a task and how, how um, almost the very first step is, is applying that, that laser-like precision to focus. And, and if you're coming in with this weighted vest, um, you know, your, your focus can be off track by, by the sound of what you're sharing with me. Um, how then... Um, did you first begin because you've sounded like you've made strides as you said you've shortened the gap between when imposter syndrome hits and you know you know the lag of of you being able to kick in effectively um how how did you manage to reduce that gap yeah i mean i have uh, done a ton of research on this um, i've listened to so many podcasts um and i think it's almost comforting to know that it is a universal experience um, and it's not something you know isolated to even your sort of professional career it could you know sort of rear its uh, head in sort of multiple sort of circumstances but i think for me something that i heard that really really resonated with me and it's super practical um, and the saying was simply the belief comes after the work and I, I really, I, I think about that a lot. Um, and I think for me, how I've applied that practically, and I'll speak specifically to work, because um, I think this is where I, that's sort of the arena in which I most experience it. It's almost um, sure right now where you are, it might feel like whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish is such a stretch. 
But to some degree, whether it's something you inherently know or something you can research and work out, there's going to be a list of actionable competencies um, that you can be doing daily, weekly to get there. Um, and it's about breaking that down into actionable steps and just knowing that if you are crossing that off, be that every single day, every single week, every single month, then you are well on your way. Um, you know, there's not a single person who's done what it is that you're trying to accomplish that just woke up, uh, you know, or, you know, came out of the room able to do it. Um, they all started from somewhere. And I think it's just keeping that perspective front and center um, and just, you know, realizing why not you? Mm, I love that. Why not you? And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about belief comes after the work. I'm, I'm going to hammer that home because I love that statement as well. And, you know, what I really took out of that is how it, it, it's taking those um, micro steps, the steps that are within your control um, every day, every week, every month, as you described, and being consistent with it. And those steps, as you look back, it sounds like, you know, that's the work that you've done. And by looking back, you, you foster and build that belief in yourself, um, which is a pretty, pretty powerful and pretty scalable message. And um, I think it's pretty amazing. So thank you for sharing that uh, insight with us. If I can ask us to take a little bit of a, a deeper step, I, I'm curious to learn when did you first feel that sense of fraud, as you describe it, that, that you know, we're going to talk about feeling like an imposter, but when, when did you first feel that way? Do you, can you isolate the time for us? Yeah, um, I'm not sure if this is going to be the, the, it was the first time I ever felt it, but I think it's definitely the most memorable milestone where I really recognized it. Um, and I think it really started when I sort of did a career pivot out of law uh, and into eventually what was going to be sales. Um, I think I definitely went from a very sort of structural educational upbringing. Um, you know, if you really think about the pursuit of being an being an attorney, I was going to say, or being a solicitor, really, you go to school, you go to university, you graduate, you you know do the steps, and then you're eventually on this track uh, for those coveted, you know, partner positions or what have you. There's just almost um, the path is laid out for you, and you know if you're crossing off those milestones, then that must mean that you're qualified to move into that next um, that next step. I think. A moment where you decide to leave all of that training behind and especially pursue something like sales which is very much about learning so much of that uh, on the go um, it's almost rewiring your brain um, right you could you know do a ton of self-education sure but there's no um, curriculum that's set out ahead of you that's going to give you that same peace of mind or that sense of qualification for what it is that you're trying to achieve. Mm. And I think it's realizing, um, at least for me, that whilst, you know, what the recipe for success might look completely different, um, it's just finding the ability to recognize the things that you're doing every single day, um, you know, and giving yourself that credit for the work that you're putting in and really enjoying that sense of achievement and not being afraid to take those steps forward. Even sometimes when it feels like you're doing it before you're fully ready or qualified to be there. Interesting. Um, you know, one, one thing that you talked about and I'll, I'll kind of simplify this for my own thinking is it sounded like 
you know, when you move from a highly structured environment and a very clear or certain path that had um, a clear process to it and you, you could really see um, where you were going and, and how you were going to get there into, you know, an unstructured, uncertain, complex environment, um, that that was the trigger. And, and those are the things that um, really triggered you and obviously were the fulcrum for you to then lean into yourself and ask, what's going on, why am I feeling this way and what am I going to do about it most importantly is, is amazing. Can I ask, is there an aspect of imposter syndrome that, that may be in a structured environment? Um, because you mentioned it's universal and in, in you know, going out and reading, you know, I, I saw some stats that were saying, you know, in some cases, 67% of people feel um, this sensation of being an imposter. In other stats, it was 79%. Um, you know, but what that's telling me is that there's a, a more people than not that seem to have experiences of or, or with imposter syndrome or feelings of self-doubt and being a fraud. Is my, my, my question to come back to the uncertain environments is, is do other people um, or groups or, um, uh, you know, you may be in a structured environment, you may have what you're seeking, but, you know, is there a, a, a moment where you're, you may meet someone who makes you feel like an imposter or is it environmental? Like, what are some of the dynamics around Yeah, Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of both. Um, interestingly, especially when you're on this path of self-development, you are naturally going to surround yourself or you know whether that's in person or just you know influenced by people that you listen to podcasts or read books written by who are much further along than you um and i think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because obviously they're the people you want to learn from but i think they're also inherently the people that make you feel uh like you're much much further behind um so I think that's always interesting, um, but I think ultimately, it, uh, I, I know there's a more scientific term for this, but um, there's always that quote about, you know, you ultimately being the average of the five people you surround yourself around. Um, and I think if you are really committed to progress in any sort of aspect of your life, um, those people have got to be people that you can level up to and not people that make you comfortable because they're you know around where you're at or you know perhaps a couple of steps behind so I think that's just something I've had mm. to come to terms with and I think it also goes back to that concept of keeping things in perspective um, and it's very much like uh, maybe like a building any other muscle like the more you mm. practice that and you sort of catch those um, trains of behavior and you sort of recorrect it gets a little bit easier um but it's i think just it's just the way the game goes mm. I, I mean what i love about a couple of the salients that i just picked up from that is you know you sound like and, and this from what i've read seems to be part of the imposter syndrome is many imposters actually are high achievers surprisingly enough and they push themselves really hard and and you know i can see that in in who you are and what you're about you know what you shared with us is you constantly seeking to level up and you know you use your cohort and you, you narrowed it down to a beautiful quote which is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and you actively seek that so it sounds like you found a way of leaning in to your imposter syndrome which ties back beautifully uh, you know as you're building this muscle to what you shared with us earlier which is belief comes after the work and if you're consistent and take actionable steps really building that muscle it's training um you're going to find 
you're bringing structure and bringing certainty and bringing simplicity into what was previously an uncertain and complex environment that that, that, that triggers you. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty huge insight that I'm taking away from that. So let me ask you, in a work context, this has got to be... Um, uh, in so many ways frightening um, and particularly in, in an environment with leadership and management. How can or how would you suggest that leaders and managers in a work context are able to help um, someone who may be going through or who definitely is um, experiencing imposter syndrome or, or signs of it? Yeah, um, I mean, I think this one definitely is a very personal thing, at least from my own self-awareness around what makes me tick. Um, and I think this kind of goes back to sort of coming back to that concept of, you know, the belief coming after the work. For me, for especially, you know, a manager or somebody who I report to, the best way that they can support me is helping me sort of level up in terms of that competency. Because the only, and it doesn't matter, you know, who, who it is that tells you this, and it doesn't matter how many times they tell you how great or amazing you are, you're not gonna believe it until you see it. Um, so for me, I need to, you know, have somebody that's giving me those tools in my toolbox, helping me level up from a competency standpoint, helping me get the results, which is then in turn going to help me with that belief part because I just, yeah, I think that's the best way that I could be supported. Um, but I think, you know, that could be very much different for someone that seeks um, more of an emotional, not a crutch, but a, a more emotional support. But for me at least, very practical. Yeah, I like it, and I think that's uh, it's for anyone that's been a leader of people or who've had to manage people. I think that's a, a pretty profound way of, of showing actionable leadership. Is um, you know, don't don't just tell, but but and and don't just show, but walk with and provide um, the clarity, provide the, the structure, provide the tools to the best of your ability to help to help someone going through this. You know, take those actionable steps each day, each week, each month, um, and you know, provide as much structure with without being, you know, in the sense of micromanagement, because it's very clear that that it's not about micromanaging or, or getting on the detail. You're, you're a high performer. You know what to do. It's just about having a direction and being able to channel, um, you know, all of that talent by the sounds of things. So I think that's a pretty big takeaway for leaders who really want to lean in and, and help those who, who have that. I've, I'm certainly going to add that into to my toolkit. So thank you, Dee. Um, you know, would you suggest a specific um, approach to having, you know, being on the front foot with a manager or leader to receive support? Is there a way you would, you would broach, um, you know, how you would like to be managed or how, how that your manager can get the best way out of you? Is there a, a way or, a, a tip tactic that you can share? Yeah, um, I mean, I can imagine this being a fairly daunting conversation to have with, you know, imagine telling your boss um, something that you feel like might cost you a promotion, um, right? So it, it, could, it could be a very sort of sensitive and difficult conversation to have. But I think coming back to that concept of development, you've really got to own your development. You've got to learn and identify those gaps in your knowledge and you've got to identify what it is that you need to see yourself 
do or excel at to build that belief within yourself. Um, so I think for me, having those conversations need to be about you going going to the table with a clear agenda of you know what it is you need from them um, and how they can best get the, the best out of you. That's that's exceptional advice. I mean, I think if if I think about being on the other side of the table and having to, I, I agree with you. I think it would take incredible courage for someone to risk vulnerably sharing that they need help, support, structure um, in a way that's not going to cost them a, a promotion. I think you've nailed it. You know, owning your own development, coming with a clear agenda, and and helping your manager in many ways say, "Hey, I need help with X, Y, and Z. Can you provide?" as much assistance in providing that i think that's really where you can help foster trust you 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 really can can develop a team environment and and you know a manager can really step up and be a leader in that sense so i think i'm going to take that away um and thank you for sharing that's awesome news so what are some of the benefits so you sound like you you, you're working on this every day It, it doesn't sound like it's ever going to be a finished work. It's just always going to be work um, that you deal with that weighted vest, maybe take a few plates out of it, but it's still there. What are some of the benefits of managing and, and you know, you know, even facing aspects of imposter syndrome, D? I'm going to go pretty personal with this one. Um, I think something that is sort of at the core of like my belief system is very much this idea of potential, um, you know, and I think it's, and you know, not to sound dramatic, but I think it's the thing that probably keeps me up the most uh, whenever I feel like I'm about to go into a quarter life crisis. Um, and it's just that <laughs> feeling of wanting to make sure that whenever it is that you get to the end of your life, that you can look back and really feel like you gave it everything and you didn't sit on all this unused talent or ability to do things or you, know, you did them halfway. Um, and I think for me, tackling imposter syndrome, um, or at least just being able to really, really effectively manage it, is just an extension of that. It's just being able to really free up my, you know, time, talent, abilities to channel into worthwhile pursuits, rather than be sort of fighting a battle that's wearing me out um, and sort of, you know, making me lesser than. Amazing. I mean, I love. I love how clearly you define that is you don't want to want to finish life without having given it your best shot and that's that's what motivates you and that's what drives you and that that was really my underlying question that you actually answered in, in listening to you there you, you know um is there anything else just just in case i didn't capture everything or the audience didn't capture everything you know why why are you so passionate about tackling this and and why have have you come on today and been so generous and vulnerable in sharing um, about your experience with imposter syndrome. You know, what 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 drives you? Why are you passionate and why did you want to solve this? Um, actually, Mike, this is almost a bit of a, um, this is a bit of a growth exercise for me, uh, sort of being on here because I was very, I was, you know, for whatever reason, super surprised that you'd asked and I had a moment of, am I qualified to do this? Do I need to be a psychologist? Um, so this is actually a version of me <laughs> you know, very much tackling what we're talking about today, which is, um, you know, I very much feel like I'm someone that is going through it. I'm definitely far from done, um, 
But I do just want to share my experience and some things that had worked for me because I think that in mul- it exists in multiple shapes and forms and I'd love for someone to be able to take something away from it um, and, you know, live a little bit better if possible. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing, Dee. It's brilliant. So we're getting close to wrapping up our episode. I have learned so much. Um, I want to ask you, as we move out of the, 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 the tunnel and towards the light, who and what are you thankful for in your life? I am most thankful, firstly, for my health and the health of my family, uh, because, you know, you can't do much if you're dead or, you know, otherwise sort of um (laughs) so definitely that but outside of that i'm very very thankful to have the support system that i do um i think i have been very very fortunate to grow up uh in the sort of family that i did and in my adult life i've been very very fortunate to be surrounded by some amazing mentors family um and just have some incredible opportunities extended my way so um that is definitely what i'm most grateful for awesome so tell us just before we wrap up today's call what's the next challenge you want to conquer i think it's definitely all going to be very career based um and as i've now got uh about a year and a half of solid you know software selling experience under my belt i think i am thinking about what's next um and how i can sort of do the work necessary to scale into the next opportunity uh, and sort of level up um, and continue to level up. Amazing. I have absolutely no doubt you are going to to conquer the world, Dee. Um, as we, we finish today, our final question, what key piece of insight or advice can you offer our listeners to help them be their best self? I really think, um, and I think I've actually said this to you earlier today, but it's really just, why not you? Um, I The number of times that every single person can relate to what I'm about to say next, um, think of all of those people you have personally seen in roles uh, or doing things that you know that you could probably do and even do better. The only difference between where they are and where you are is they simply did it. Um, and I think, the belief comes after the work. So just do it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for bringing us back to that first principle. The belief comes after the work. And, and ladies and gentlemen, why not you? Um, thank you so much for coming on today's episode of the Self App Podcast. Um, if people would like to connect with you, um, can they find you on LinkedIn? Would it be all right if they add you and, and potentially you know, ping you if, if they'd like to learn a little bit more about it, your experience? Absolutely. You Absolutely. I would love that. Fantastic. Wonderful. So you can find D at Danusha Santhakuma, which is D A N U S H A. S-A-N-T-H-I-K-U-M-A-R. And I am absolutely going to be following very closely on your own personal growth and seeing how your best self unfolds and how you're helping others unlock their best self, Dee. Um, to our audience today, oh, it's an absolute pleasure, believe me. I'm truly humbled to, to have sat through um, this session today, Dee. I think you are a rock star. Um, To our audience, thank you for listening. And before you go, I ask you to do us a good deed and share this with one other person. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you tuned into the podcast. And for more best self goodness, find us on social by searching for The Self App. From us to you, keep up the good thoughts, good words, good deeds, and continue to level up your best self. 
why not you ladies and gentlemen take care